This is the message given by Pastor James Lim during the morning worship service at Faith Presbyterian Church, Long Beach, California, for June 25th, 2023. The title of the message is, That God May Open a Door. Well, we come now to the reading and preaching of God's Word. If you would open your uh, Bibles, uh, if you have them, to Colossians chapter 4. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And if you don't have a Bible or you have a different translation, you can follow along uh, in the bulletin or the slides uh, behind me. With our service and uh, the preaching uh, on prayer, uh, let's go to the Lord before we hear God's word. Let's pray together. Our Father, we Come hold, hold, we come humbly and boldly. Father, we come not in our own intellectual prowess and abilities. We come not in our own power or our strength. Uh, we come not in our abilities. But we come as your needy children, hungry and thirsty for you. Lord, would you send us manna from heaven through the reading and preaching of your word. Lord, may it be sweeter to our lips than honey. Lord, as we hear, uh, Lord, may we be at the edge of our seat. May we be enthralled by your word uh, so that the world might know that we would testify to them and to one another that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. Bless us this morning. Bless me as I read and proclaim. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just to give you a little bit of context before I read uh, verses 2 to 4, this, we come near the end of the book of Colossians. And as Paul does in uh, most, if not all, of his letters, he, after expositing the gospel and applying it and working it into the lives of the people uh, who are receiving the letter and to all of us who hear God's word, he normally concludes his letters with instructions, specific instructions as specific applications of everything that he's been teaching on, particularly the gospel as it relates to their situation. And here now, at the end of Philippians, he's concluding those final instructions. And as I'll, as I'll mention later on, uh, as is the... Uh, as is the practice of many good communicators, uh, he leaves the most important part to the very end. And so here then now the reading of God's word in verse, beginning in verse two. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Last summer, uh, when I was on sabbatical, I went out uh, with a few friends. I visited a friend's church and went door to door sharing the gospel and it had been in a while, it had been a while since I'd done it, especially since uh, the pandemic. 
and I was totally out of my comfort zone. And my friends uh, would go a few times a month after their Sunday services. And so we went down this one street, uh, a row of about 15 homes, about a block long. But to me, it might as well have been a thousand houses and a mile long. It was hot, but I think I was sweating out of fear than anything else. And just before we knocked on our first door, my friend stopped and said, wait, we're missing something. Bibles, check. Tracks, check. Church invitations, check. Maps, check. What were we missing? We were missing prayer. So we huddled in front of the first house, and it must have been, you know, from outside observers, it must have been really weird, but we huddled in front of this one house on a street, and we just let it all out. Our fears, our anxieties, our inadequacy. We asked the Lord to give us faith, to give us boldness, to give us the right words to say, and to work in the hearts of the people that we would share the gospel with. And after praying, we were emboldened and ready to share the gospel with humble confidence. Like that Sunday afternoon, prayer is often the least and the last thing we do uh, in evangelism when it should be the first and the foremost. And sometimes I wonder if that's part of the reason why we're so timid to share the gospel because we don't really pray to share the gospel. It's not that important to us to pray and ask. We hope that there are opportunities Uh, But we ought to begin evangelism with prayer. And so this morning, I'd like for us to consider the question, what is the role of prayer in evangelism? What is the role of prayer when we share the gospel with someone else? And so Paul tells us from these verses why prayer is so important for effectively sharing the gospel. And so let's look at what he tells us this morning. First, prayer is important for sharing the gospel because God is sovereign in the salvation of sinners. Let me say that one more time. Prayer is important for sharing the gospel because God is sovereign in the salvation of sinners. Look at verse 2 with me. Paul saves the most important instructions for last. And he tells the Colossians to continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. He doesn't tell us to do this or that or to go to Bible study or to make sure to go to church every week. He says continually be steadfast in prayer. That's the la- one of the last things he tells the Colossians to do. And so we ought to take heed uh, of that instruction. And then in verse 3, he includes a more specific request. Not only continue steadfastly in prayer in general, but in particular, specifically pray for him. Pray for me, Paul says. Pray for me and my co-laborers. And in making this request of the Colossians, in making it one of the last things he instructs them to do, he shows you and me the necessity, the absolute importance of prayer 
for evangelism and missions. So why does Paul ask for prayer? It's because he knows that salvation depends totally and completely on the sovereign initiative and power of God. Look at why Paul asks for prayer going on in verse 2. So that God may open to us a door for the word. You see, Paul asks for prayer because he understands that God is the one who opens and closes any door for his word. Paul uses the metaphor of a door to describe how the gospel enters any given situation or circumstance. In Acts chapter 14, 27, Paul and Barnabas told the church at Antioch how God had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, a whole a whole slew of people, a whole category of people, not Jews, and then everyone else, that God opened the door for them. In 1 Corinthians 16, 9, Paul wants to stay in Ephesus because a wide door for effective work has been opened for me. He sees an opportunity that has presented itself like a door and that he wants to go through it because God has opened it for him. You see, God's sovereignty is expressed here through the metaphor of opening and closing the door of opportunity. Whether it be to whole people groups like the Gentiles or to whole cities and regions or even families and people. Paul asks for prayer because he knows that the door into people's lives is wholly and completely dependent not on his strategic power or eloquence, but on God's sovereign grace. Why? Because none but God can save sinners dead in their trespasses and sins. And so we can go to none but God. Why is this the case? Because salvation is of the Lord, says Jonah. Because none can save but God alone. Because he alone can raise the dead to life. He alone saves by grace through faith. And this is not our own doing. But it is a gift of God. Not a result of work so that no one may boast. Because he alone can open the doors into people's lives and hearts. Because he alone can open the door to any given situation for his saving word to enter in and bring new life. Paul knows that apart from God's sovereign power and initiative, he has no hope of success in evangelizing, let alone any ministry or mission. Every door is shut to God's word. Every door to a person's heart is shut to the grace of God if God is not the one who opens it. He can never do what only the Holy Spirit can do. He can never argue a person into heaven. He can never in himself persuade a person to repent and believe the gospel. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 5. And when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
and I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Quoting G.I. Packer, John Onekchuaka, in his book on prayer, he says this, The sovereignty of God in grace gives us our only hope of success in evangelism. The only hope we have is that God is in control. Meditation on God's sovereignty is the medication that calms our anxious hearts. When rightly applied to our hopes for success, our labor is more energized as God's sovereignty becomes the engine behind our efforts. Friends, brothers, and sisters, this isn't just for evangelism, uh, although that's particularly what I'm uh, teaching on, but it's for everything else in the Christian life. Is there anything in your life that you think you can do without God's help? One of the ways in which you can meditate on those areas is, what are the areas in your life that you pray for and you don't pray for, but yet you try to do them in your own strength? Maybe it's your career, it's your looks, it's your grades. Maybe it's the fears that you have. Uh, fears about the future, fears about your well-being, fears about uh, the money, your money in the bank, uh, the stock market, anything in which you put any effort into, including evangelism, do you act, do you go to the Lord in prayer because you know that apart from God, you can't do it? Or do you go to the Lord in prayer for everything because you know that God can do it all? You see, the point of evangelism is that it doesn't, that evangelism doesn't begin with us. It begins with God. That he alone is sovereign to save. And if he alone is sovereign to save, then evangelism doesn't begin with us on our feet, opening our mouths. Evangelism begins with prayer before God on our knees. This has several implications for us in evangelism. Prayer recognizes that with us, evangelism is completely impossible but with God, all things are possible, Matthew 19, 26. It also means that the salvation of sinners belongs to him and him alone and not with us. It is his appointed means of saving us and glorifying himself. Psalm fifty fifteen says this, And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. It is the recognition that God has all the power to save, so when he answers those prayers, he gets all the glory. Do you see why prayer is so important? Because if you could do something on your own, and you don't pray and ask God for help, and let's just say you've succeeded, your own pride will be puffed up. 
And you'll, you'll say to yourself, look at what I did. When in, in actuality, in God's grace, God did it for you. But if you know that you can't do it in your own power, and, God, and, and you succeed, then you'll give God all the praise and all the glory. How much more so is that the case in our evangelism uh, when somebody is converted? I remember sharing the gospel with somebody, and, and, uh, and it was during a time where I was on fire for the Lord, and I was just telling people the gospel uh, as if I was hot stuff. And one person, one person came to faith, and I thought, my, I thought to myself, man, look how, what a wonderful evangelist I am. Uh, maybe I should go into ministry. That, that, that was kind of part of the, uh, the, the plot twist there. But then, after that, I'd share the gospel with lots of people and nobody would come to faith. And I, and I realized God used that to humble me. That I thought I was persuading people into the kingdom of God when God was, was the one who, who saves people and not me. Prayer recognizes, again, that the one who gives the power gets the glory. And the only way we do that is in prayer. God says this, For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. Isaiah 48, 11. So if God is sovereign, why do we need to pray? Because God is sovereign in the salvation of sinners, prayer is our responsibility. Not just his power, but it's our responsibility to ask him to exercise his power so that we can effectively share the gospel with people. Paul goes on to say in verse 3 that because God can open doors, we can tell the gospel. Look at what he says there in verse 3. Pray also for us. Why? That God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. Do you see that? When God opens a door for his word, it's so that we can walk through it and tell people the gospel. This is why God opens a door into people's lives so we can tell them the mystery of Christ. And what is that mystery? The revelation of salvation that is found and offered only in Jesus Christ by faith alone. And so this begs the question, how does prayer help us to effectively share the gospel? Like, why, what is it about prayer that helps us to effectively share the gospel? Paul gives us four reasons. First, it gives us faith to share the gospel. As I mentioned earlier, we pray because it's a recognition of God's sovereignty and salvation. We pray because he's the only one who can save sinners. We pray because we believe he is the only one. We pray because we ask of him what we cannot do ourselves. We pray because it is the other side of God's sovereignty, which is our responsibility. We pray because we can't and only God can. We pray because we trust not in ourselves for anything but trust in God alone for everything. 
We pray because we walk by faith, not by sight. G.I. Packer says this, The prayer of a Christian is not an attempt to force God's hand, but a humble acknowledgement of helplessness and dependence. When we are on our knees, we know that it is not we who control the world. It is not in our power, therefore, to supply our needs by our independent efforts. Every good thing that we desire for ourselves and for others must be sought from God as a gift from His hands. In effect, therefore, what we do every time we pray is to confess our impotence and God's sovereignty. The very fact that a Christian prays is thus proof positive that he believes in the lordship of his God. Do you see what Packer is saying there? That when... It's not, it's not enough to say that God is Lord and God is in control. The way that you truly exercise that faith and you put it into action, your functional belief in God's power and sovereignty is when you pray. Not when you try to do things for God. Now, that's not bad. But if you believe that God is sovereign and he can do all things according to his power and his goodness, then the first thing you're going to do is you're going to pray that God will do it. Uh, the, second, the second way in which prayer helps us evangelize is it helps us to evangelize clearly. There's nothing like prayer to clear the fog in our minds. Prayer focuses our hearts and our minds and our faith upon the Lord. And when we do that, we see things clearly in the light of his presence and glory and power. And that he, when we pray in his presence, his light brings light to everything else. And this is why Paul asks for prayer, so that I may make it, what is it? The gospel, the mystery of Christ, that I may make it clear. I don't know about you, but I, I get super nervous when I preach and share the gospel. I get tongue-tied, I blank out, I forget things. I know I'm supposed to be able to share the gospel cold turkey. But I'm not as clear a thinker, let alone a preacher, as I ought to be. So when I ask the Lord for clarity, I have to do it in prayer. And when we pray the gospel clearly, as we're praying in the gospel, with the gospel, for the gospel, the gospel is, is being made clear in our own hearts and in our own minds, so that out of the fullness of our hearts, then, we will share the gospel clearly. Do you see that? Thirdly, prayer helps us evangelize not only um, clearly, but boldly. In similar words to Colossians 2, Paul says in Ephesians 6.19, he says this, to pray also for me that, my, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel that I might declare that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. You see, when we speak to the, to the Lord boldly in prayer, we can speak of the Lord boldly in evangelism. 
Do you see that? If we can speak to the Lord boldly in prayer, we can speak to the Lord, we can speak of the Lord boldly in evangelism. To paraphrase Robert Murray McShane, we become who we are when we are on our knees before God in prayer. That boldness in prayer leads to boldness in witness. Think of prayer as the harder task that shapes us for the easier task. If we can speak boldly to God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sovereign savior of sinners who spoke the universe into existence, who decreed all things to come to pass, who ordains the end from the beginning and everything in between, who numbers all the hairs on our heads and will not let even one fall without his divine permission, who chose the elect whom he will save from before the foundation of the world, who draws, yea, drags sinners unto himself, who so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, who lived the perfect and righteous life that we should have lived, who died the perfect death that we should have died, who after three days rose from the grave to give us his resurrection and life, to give us the promise eternal life of eternal life and glory, who ascended into heaven and now sits at God's right hand to save us to the uttermost who will return to judge the living and the dead and usher in the eternal glory of the new heavens and the new earth. When he spoke and the winds and the waves obeyed him and all of his disciples cowered in fear and asked themselves, who is this that that the wind and the waves obey? It's Jesus. If we can pray boldly before this God, then we, then we can share the gospel with anybody. It's not a coincidence that the writer of Hebrews in chapter 4, verse 16 says this, Let us then with boldness draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When we pray boldly in the gospel, we can speak boldly of the gospel. When we stand boldly before God, we can stand boldly before men. Prayer reminds us in a way that nothing else can, that if God is for us, who can be against us? Fourthly, prayer helps us to evangelize fruitfully. Jesus said on, in John fifteen five, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. See, we can't do anything, let alone evangelize in ourselves, in our own power. So how do we bear fruit in evangelism? Jesus goes on to say in verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you you bear much fruit. John Piper says, Prayer is the open admission that without Christ we can do nothing. G.I. Packer says the sovereignty of God through prayer creates the possibility, indeed the certainty, that evangelism will be fruitful. 
Apart from it, there's not even a possibility of evangelism being fruitful. Were it not for the sovereign grace of God, evangelism would be the most futile and useless enterprise that the world has ever seen, and there would be no more complete waste of time under the sun than to preach the Christian gospel. Only as we abide in Christ through prayer can we bear fruit in evangelism. So let us go to the Lord and ask him to bless our witness, to bless our evangelism and the sharing of the gospel so that we might bear much fruit in him and for his glory. When was the last time you did that? The sovereignty of God and our responsibility in prayer is what makes evangelism effective. And because God is sovereign, he commands us to pray so that he may have all the glory. I know I've touched on two of the hardest, most guilt-inducing topics of the Christian life that any pastor can give. I'm preaching this passage to myself as much as to you. And I'm preaching this passage not to make you feel bad, as if you don't pray enough and as if you don't share the gospel enough. That's not the point. The point is to pray. Get on your knees. Go boldly to the Lord. Ask him to help you. Ask him for grace. Ask him for those friends and the loved ones that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Start there. Let it be like the first domino that falls so that every other domino in your heart and in your life will fall and and that he would open the door, that he would give you the clarity, the boldness, the fruitfulness so that you can open your mouth and share the gospel with that family member, that friend, that neighbor who you know has the hardest of hearts about the gospel, who hates Christianity, who hates institutional religion, who is living their life uh, without God and they think that they're happy. They're, They're thirsting and hungering for something more in their life. They don't know what it is and only you can give it to them in the gospel. And so let love compel you to share the gospel. How do you build up that love for others? Pray for it. Pray for it. How do you build up the boldness to share the gospel? Pray for it. And how do you know that when you share the gospel, God is going to use it? Pray for it. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. And so, so all I'm asking you, friends, brothers, and sisters, is don't, you don't have to go out and start knocking on doors or calling up your friends and neighbors. That's not what I'm asking you to do. All I'm asking you to do is just start praying. Ask the Lord to help you. Pray for just a few people by name. Pray for them faithfully. And keep on praying for them. Pray for boldness, opportunity, and speak as you ought to speak. Pray in your devotions. Pray in your small groups. Pray for your children. Pray at, your church, pray at our church prayer meetings. 
Uh, there, we have small group prayer meetings all the time here, uh, culminating in our Sunday service prayer. Uh, every other month, we have an evening congregational prayer service where we set aside the whole time just to pray. I've been going through um, Paul Miller's A Praying Church, and it's been really eye-opening, life-changing, convicting, and joy-giving at the same time. But all I want you to do is just pray, whether it's just a short prayer. Lord, give me boldness to share the gospel. That's it. Or, Or, Lord, would you save uh, my friend, my neighbor, my coworker, my spouse, my child? Just thank you, Lord, because I know you can answer. Start there, and God will take care of the rest. Let me close with this, uh, illustr- this, this story. When I was in college, I had a really, really good friend. Uh, she was not a Christian at the time, and... and uh, and one, one time, uh, I was hanging out with her, and I told her, I said, you know, I'm praying for you, and I shared the gospel with her that evening, and I don't know if it, I didn't, for many years, I didn't know that, if it, you know, changed anything, but uh, in the intervening years after uh, college, I c- continued to pray for her. Every once in a while, my, my heart um, bubbled up and, and, and I prayed for her uh, that the Lord would do something in her life. The Lord would save her. And 25 years later, I come to find out that not too long after we graduated, someone else shared the gospel with her more in-depthly and she became a Christian. She became a Christian, and I remember uh, talking to her and telling her how much I'd continue to pray for her, and she was so thankful. With tears in her eyes, she said, thank you. Friends, brothers and sisters, just go to the Lord and ask him. Ask him to save people. That's all. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege to pray. Help us to pray uh, for your gospel to go forth through us. Lord, we are timid, we are weak, we are shy, we're fearful. But when we pray, you give us boldness. In our weakness, would you Hear our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.